Hi, I'm Chris Sabat, and you're listening to Byte. Hey everybody, how's it going? That's right, it's my voice, which means it's another episode of Button Mash, actually. Fun fact. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. You do a couple of things. Yeah, I do about four different podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, the ed, uh, Button Mash, the editorial podcast where the editors sit down and talk about whatever they want, whenever they want. The I, stuff that matters. The stuff yeah. that matters. Tonight I am your host, Aiden Hall, the podcast editor. Joining me in the wonderful room is the enigmatic AEIC of our wonderful organization, Mr. Jake Doolin. And our fantastic re- reviews editor, the lovely, always wonderful... Chase Treatment. Now, it was a very slow winter for video games, so what we've true, decided true. to do is... Yeah, let's see, what did anything good happen games-wise over HDQ. Uh, Yeah, but that's a scheduled thing. That doesn't count. Just the same way that saying COD doesn't count in November. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that does not count. Yeah, no, nothing nothing other than that really happened. No. Nothing out of the ordinary. No. So what we decided to do was actually talk about movies and TV. Since Jake and I do host Input 2, we decided to cover the uh, biggest winter movies (laughs) since we had a couple of them. And I'm just just a really big fan. Yeah. So... Jake, what did you want to start off talking about? Well, a movie that me and Chase uh, both saw. I believe you saw it in 70mm. I saw it in 70mm yeah. because I was either going to see it in 70mm or wait till DVD. There was no in-between for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, we both saw it in 70mm. Uh, it's The Hateful Eight. Um, uh-huh. Quentin Tarantino's eighth movie. Eighth movie um, with eight characters. And well, with 13 characters. Hateful. If you, <laughs> um, but my first question is, how was your experience in seventy millimeter? I never, I never asked that after you saw it. I was more interested in like what you thought about the movie. But how was the experience? Okay, so there were, the problem with it being in seventy millimeter for me, is that most of the movie takes place in mid range shots, mm-hmm. which is not where seventy millimeter shines. For me, it is extreme close ups and it is panoramic views of beautiful vistas yeah which there are several several uses of in this movie but for most of the two hour and wait no it was it was three hours was something. That, yeah. three oh, hours wow. yeah it was three hours and change for most of the three hours and change it was inside this cabin which for from the standpoint of the movie itself was lovely mm-hmm. but from the filmmaking not so much there are two shots that really stood out to me and that is the first shot of the wagon coming down the trail mm-hmm and then the Which, shot of Daisy Dormagoo after she's been elbowed in the face and it's an extreme close-up of her bleeding, it's incredible. It's the one where she like licks her face too and smiles. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just – there's just a simple beauty to it that you can't really explain. One of the things that really interests me about the 70 millimeter is that it's not just like the projection. There's a bunch of things. They have an overture. They have an intermission. They yes. Give you, yeah. Uh, it, well, what what you mean then? You're talking about the road show specifically. Yeah, the road show specifically. Yeah, because what what happened is there's the wide release where there's just this three hour long movie shot uh, projected in digital, mm-hmm. and then there was also the 70 millimeter road show wherein it was presented exactly how Quentin Tarantino wanted it to be presented, yes. which, as Jake was saying, it is projected and shot in 70 millimeter film, which is just an obscene amount of high definition. Yeah. It has an overture at the beginning, which like a like literally think like a play where mm-hmm. you sit down in the theater, the music starts playing, and there are lights on stage, and that's it. And you just listen to the overture so that you can remember how you can remember the music when it becomes thematically important later, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then 
Most importantly, to me anyway, there was an intermission. Mm-hmm. That's this interesting. Is, this is the interesting thing to me about that intermission. It comes almost exactly two hours into the movie. Did it feel like two hours? That it, was two hours in? That was two hours in. You're joking. No, I'm I not I thought that joking. was 90 minutes in. That that comes at almost exactly two hours in. It's a little over, I believe, two hours okay, well, into the movie. See, I've actually argued with um, a couple of people that they have had a worse experience in that movie strictly for the fact that they did not have an intermission because uh, for those who don't know, The Hateful Eight is a murder mystery, basically. Yes. Mm. Like, for the, at least the first half, which is actually one of my big complaints about the movie, only the first half. The first half is a murder mystery, and then right as things start blowing up, intermission. Turn to your friends. Start talking about who do you think did it. But wait, no, this guy was here. No, mm-hmm. like, it's... During uh, the road show, they give you a booklet, and I remember at, they at, do at, it some places. Yeah, <laughs> at the intermission, I just remember it was one of the coolest things. Everyone picked up the booklet and started looking at the list of characters, and they were like, "Okay, where is he at? What was he doing?" Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was probably one of the best like film like experiences I've had. Just was like, engaging people, the audience, seeing yeah. people like try to figure this out, and then once it came back on, well, and s- yeah, it was like seeing a murder mystery play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, if either of you have seen Murders in the Air. I have, not. I have not. Okay, it, well, it's a murder mystery where ultimately the crowd votes on who they think the murderer is, and that affects who gets arrested in the end, whether or not they're the actual murderer. Oh, okay. like, well, that's interesting. That's how that felt to me, though, where everyone was like, we need to figure out who this is. But then, Jake, mm-hmm. my biggest complaint about the movie, just as I was getting super excited about figuring out who the murderer was, who the bad people are, mm-hmm. the movie just throws all of its cards out on the table right as I'm starting to pick up all the clues and is like, here they are! Yeah. And that's my biggest complaint about the movie. So we're, we're talking a little bit about spoilers right now. We absolutely are okay. because it's been since b- before Christmas you could have gone and seen okay. this movie. So are you referencing like the point when Channing Tatum comes into the movie. Are no, you talking, no, I'm not about, talking the, about that? I'm talking about flashback. Samuel L. Jackson's uh, deposition and then the flashback. Okay, so the flashback to me felt the most out of place part because I felt like we 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 kind of already figured out most of that information and just like having it there really didn't add anything. I mean, like it was cool like to see like how everything got placed and how Bruce Stern's character got there, but. Really, I don't think it added much. It could have been completely gone from the movie, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would have mattered. I, but, I fully agree with that. Yeah. It was kind of like the uh, – okay, we were talking about the Raid 2 before the podcast, so this is mm-hmm. on my mind. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like the Percoso bits in the Raid 2. Mm-hmm. didn't need to be there. Yeah, where it just feels like, um, you know, the audience audience knows this. And I know, like, it probably in there just to, like, you know, explain just in case someone didn't get it. But I feel like – in that it, moment, it was pretty clear, like, yeah. this is what happened to the people that were in this cabin beforehand, based on the people who are here. Mm-hmm. And you don't even need that part to explain why Channing Tatum's character is there. You could just have him pop out of the, the basement and, you know, have Domagru, you know, explain it. Like, And now, here's another thing that is a surprising complaint I had about the movie. Tarantino can't do suspense for Tarantino mm-hmm. fans anymore, mm-hmm. because we know how he thinks. Mm-hmm. There, oh, the sudden lull and then something happening? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very specifically, there are a couple of shots where okay, I went with my significant other Carmen. They're not as much of a Tarantino fan. Like they've seen the Tarantino movies, but like they see it just in passing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I turned and was like, I don't want to watch this scene because I know what's about to happen and it's gonna gross me out. And they're like, what? And then a head explodes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, 
it kind of sucks that I know this director well enough that I love this director, mm. but he can't surprise me anymore. Well, I think that's sort of just being this is his eighth film, you know. Yeah. He doesn't which, he doesn't skip away from what he is. Yeah, yeah, which like there was one moment that caught me off guard whole movie, which was the arrival of Jody. Who's Jody Tatum. again? Oh, okay, Tatum. Yeah. Yes. Caught me off guard. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I had no idea Tatum was even in the movie. Well, he's 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 credited and he's done a bunch of publicity stuff. Like, yeah, so like, that that kind of like in the opening credits, you see his name like okay. featuring Channing Tatum. And so like a little bit that kind of killed it for me because like throughout the movie, I was like, OK, when's he going to show up? Sort like, of like Jonah Hill and Django. Yeah. Where you're like, OK, when is he going to going to show up? <laughs> I rewatched Django literally this morning. And like, I just love him in that movie <laughs> so much. <coughs> but um, I really I I've. I told you on input too. I thought this was it ranks among my favorite movies of his now because surprisingly I was moved by it. I can honestly say I like his movies a lot. I'm a fan of Tarantino, but I've never been like yeah, moved. The ending had a profound effect on you that it didn't on me. Could you explain that? It was just I think the 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 reading of the letter um which if you don't know if you haven't seen the movie they're, they're reading a letter by Lincoln uh, actually written by Samuel L. Jackson that kind of it, dictates this this perfect idea for America that he wants to get to where, you know, we, we move past the Civil War and stuff. And to me, I connected with that because, like, I thought about how even, like, the South, and I don't know if it's, like, really shown that well in the movie, but I, they kind of also idolized Lincoln somewhat. In, in the movie, everyone idolizes Lincoln in a way. Like, yeah, they can, well, I wouldn't say idolizes. I would say everyone holds tremendous respect for it. Tremendous respect we, for Lincoln. A very key part of the movie is the fact that we have people from both sides of the Civil War in this locked in this cabin. Mm-hmm. So, like, we have an old we have an old uh, Confederate general. We have a really young I um sheriff. ideologic sh- uh, sheriff who's like yeah. the South is what mattered, and I this is what I grew up with. Like, you get and then you also get um. Jackson's character, yeah, who was a what was he? He was a Union soldier, but um, he did some things that got him kicked out of the the army. Supposedly, supposedly, that's never that's the one thing that's never one hundred percent confirmed in this movie. <laughs> well, I would say actually all, two things. Yeah, two was, things, both of them to do with Samuel L. Jackson. I was about to say the second thing. I I I'm still like debating whether or not that was true or not. But can I um, can I can I make sure we're on the same page? Yeah. Did he know? Did he know about uh, Tatum? Is that the whole thing? That because that's the whole movie to me right there. I that was not the part I was referencing. Oh okay. Um, but I don't know. That's an that's an, that is interesting to think about. I was as referencing. soon as that becomes a thing, he immediately throws cards down on the table and is like, "Yeah, I know what all of this was. What's up?" But it's never clear if he actually knew before. My thing I was referencing was the speech to Bruce Stern's character about his son. I I do not know if he was telling the complete truth of that's exactly what happened, or was just riling him up to shoot him. Oh, it's that was a lie. That was absolutely I, I, a lie. What, well, that's my I, personal opinion. I that, should I should say yeah. that there's no. I, I don't to it know, and I I kind of like that because like that's a perfect place for the intermission to be because that was the moment I needed to like breathe just mm-hmm. like as an aside. But like back to the ending. So the the two characters are reading this, and it had a profound effect to me because I liked the ending a lot, but then I also didn't like the ending a lot because. You know, they're reading this letter, and it's supposed to be, like, this idealistic, like, way America should be. We should unite, and it's this Union soldier and this Southern soldier. And it's contrasted by literally the dirtiest vision of America that could ever happen. Yeah. It's it's contrasted, importantly, I think, by the fact that there's a dead woman 
hanging in the shot as well. Kind of like it it muddles it a little bit because like the the letter kind of hints that like we need to come together and unite. And the only way those characters united was m- brutally murdering a woman. Like what well, was brutal murder in general? Yeah, brutal murder in general. But like the, I'm saying, the woman because she's in the shot that they're they're looking at her, and that's the only way they united. So it, it it messed with my mind a little bit. I was like, what is he trying to say with this? And I kind of went down with, to the fact that like, okay, he's just talking about violence in general, and like it's just a it's just a bad thing that that shot was done that way because it, it, that's what my mind instantly went to was like these two guys united over the murder of like one specific person. I, don't, I actually kind of appreciated that because what I took from it was basically that some differences are not reconcilable in the way that you would want them to be. Uh-huh. You're not going to be friends. You're going to be brothers in some very dirty blood at best. Yeah. I, I, and I, and I, I, I appreciate it. I came down appreciating the ending quite a bit and it does have like a profound like effect on me the way I think about it. But it, like the first time I saw it, I, I turned to my sister who went with me and I was like, what do you think he was trying to say with that? Because like I, I was just kind of confused. But then, the the song they use at the end, um, which is a Roy Orbison song from um, what's this? That's the cowboy movie, Lone Gun in the West. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that kind of sealed it for me. Like he's trying to make a statement, like like you what you were saying about like you know it's going to be dirty. You're going to be brothers. And did 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 you like? Are you? Uh, let me rephrase this. Okay. Um. Like I was saying, has any of his other movies like moved you or made you f- like feel a certain way other than just like this was a really cool movie? Because my my opinion of him is like he makes really cool movies, really enjoyable movies, really like thoughtful movies, but they never like impacted me. You know what I'm I, I'm trying to like word this in a good way. Okay, but what kind of move do you mean? I meant like stick with me in a way that like. I felt that there was a theme. Something was he was trying to say something, and he accomplished it. Has anything has anything stuck out to you in that way? I'd say to the barest barest minimum of an extent, Django kind of did with me. Django would be my other choice for it. Why does it stick out to you? I felt like he did it in the most Tarantino way ever. But he absolutely just spent an entire movie crapping on a terrible mindset. Mm-hmm. And, like, he basically created a black slave superhero. Yeah. And that was kind of just – it was, like, the only way I could see Tarantino doing this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the whole movie, like, especially because we brought up Jonah Hill earlier – Especially the way that the Ku Klux Klan is mm-hmm. uh, shown in that. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is basically just, God, racists are stupid. Mm-hmm. They are dumb. I mean, they were slapstick comedy mm-hmm. instead yeah, of absolutely. like. Yeah. I felt like it was just a good. <sighs> he makes movies that make people uncomfortable, but Which like. In I appreciate a, that it, so it, much. Yeah, in a good way, like in a way that makes you like uh, confront. Like in, in the theater when I saw Hateful Eight. The 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 N word is used quite a bit, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see the people who laugh, and the people who you know, f- you know, react in other way, like with shock or like yeah. you know, it's it's interesting because he makes movies that kind of you know push people a little bit. Because like when I was in that theater and I heard someone laugh the the first time Daisy Domru uses the N word towards mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson, like you know that had a different reaction than someone on the other side of the theater who was just like, wow, why would you you know say that? It was yeah, just see, the thing for me is 
the unfortunate part about Tarantino because there is like if you try to deny it at this point that Tarantino is not an absolutely brilliant director, you mm-hmm. are just blind. However, the stuff he does attracts a very unsavory type of person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who isn't like just the film buffs that we are, who is just like, I want to hear people say the N-word and see blood. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, someone whose base level of Tarantino is there's going to be action. Someone who watches the first half of the Hateful Eight and thinks it's boring and wants to get to that second half. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of realizing that the first half is there for a reason, it's to build mm-hmm. up you to that point. Yeah, when I saw it with a bad theater. I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna say that outright. I saw it with a bad theater because like the Hateful Eight was a funny movie. Mm-hmm. It was a very funny movie. Unfortunately, at the actual funny parts that weren't just, oh, racism is funny, I was the only one laughing a lot of the time. And and that was, like, really disconcerting for me. Like, that actually did dampen my experience. And I didn't really realize it till now, but that kind of hung over it like a pall. Mm -hmm. It's it's weird and, like, really interesting to, like, go to these movies now. When I saw Django, that was, like, some of the most, like, divided reaction I'd seen in the theater with people laughing. Or... I could not possibly be more glad that I saw that movie 100% alone in a theater. <laughs> I feel like you you either gain like a good experience. Like I, I've been lucky enough to have good experiences from it. But oh yeah, I know the type of people who like go to these movies mm-hmm. and Tarantino movies expecting one thing and just you know not realizing there's actual thought behind it. Yeah, and you know it can be very unsavory. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially with like the wrong crowd. Are there any other directors like that that you can think of? That... Spike Lee. Yeah. Spike Lee. What's he done? Do the right thing. Um, Don't know it. Uh, the S- Miracle at Saint Anna. Miracle at Saint Anna. Okay. Um, Boondoggle, which is a movie about blackface. Um, Didn't he do Chica- uh, Chirac? Chirac. He made Chirac. Um, which that was actually misinterpreted on both sides to an incredible degree. Y- so, all right. So I live in the Gary, Indiana region. And yep. when I came here, that... Stone's throw from Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was on the news every single day. And I thought in that area, that was that the Chirac movie was, like, the biggest thing. Like, protest about it, discussion of it. And it's so... And like, no one had seen it yet. No one had seen it yet. Everyone had seen a trailer talking about something, a highly hyperbolized version of something that actually is happening. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Spike Lee is definitely, like... He's not as like humor. He's much more serious than Quentin mm-hmm. Tarantino is, but his movies definitely are that you're going to get divided reaction. I'm surprised you've never seen Do the Right Thing. Do the Right well, Thing. Tell me movie. what it is. Do the Right Thing is a movie. Um, it's about the hottest day on one block in New York. It's about um, racial tensions in that in on that block between um, the older black population and this um, pizzeria. Have you not heard of this movie? No, I've not seen it. We need to watch it. When it's the... excellent. We need to watch it's... it when we see Jackie Brown and Death Proof. Oh yeah. Oh. It's, Two classics. Yeah. Two classics. But See, that's what I'm hearing. Those are the two things I'm missing from Tarantino's library. I, I Not to go like too in-depth in Jackie Brown because we want to watch it eventually, yep. but Jackie Brown is interesting because it's like his third movie he made, and mm-hmm. it's the most mature movie he made. What you was really first? couldn't tell it was a Tarantino. You, if you were to remove his name from it, there's no like signifying things other than the dialogue. Yeah, the dialogue yeah. is very. Yeah, strange. see, that's the thing that people always write off for Tarantino is I see his movies almost one hundred percent for the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like I love me some bloody action. I don't know, but I love his dialogue. I can't stand true romance uh, at all. That, the, that one, that's the one. It, he didn't. You told he me about wrote that one. it, but he didn't direct it. Yeah. That's the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger and 
Oh, that's true no. lies. Yeah, yeah. We true, we talked about true romance. True romance is the one with uh, what's his face? Um, Archer, the guy that's on there with the real name. Oh, I John H. Benjamin. No, 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 oh. no, no. The I should actor say, I should that works say, for the CIA. I love the way he directs dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, but one hundred percent, one of the best scenes in film for me, the milk scene at the beginning of Inglorious Bastards. That's a great mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, like the way he. He puts the tension of a of an intense fight sequence into basic dialogue about characters and, that don't really and matter, it's, and it's so subtle too. Mm-hmm. Like, like everything about the milk scene was in subtext. Like that was the whole mm-hmm. point of the scene. Mm-hmm. Whole time you're unnerved, and for the first half you don't really know why, except for the fact that there are Nazis in this farmhouse. But you know, you know you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it's. That's what I love about it. Like, that's why I see a lot of Tarantino movies. That's why I love his dialogue-heavy ones. Oh, yeah. And and Jackie Brown is definitely up your alley then. Okay, cool. Death Proof, not so much, though. Death Proof's not as... Yeah, but I also like Grindhouse movies. Yeah, that's no, that's, that's a different That's really why. Death, I mean, Pro- Death Proof is underrated for me. A lot of people hate that movie, but... I think it's mostly because it came from Grindhouse that it gets came- all that hate. I know, but I still... I even like Planet Terror. Oh, you liked Planet Terror? I... I, I wasn't super, a fan. It felt of super flat on me, which and that's I'm a huge the reason, Ro- I'm a huge Rodriguez fan. That's the reason I why not. I assumed a whole lot of people didn't like Death Proof because if you saw it in theaters, you also had to watch Planet Terror. Yeah, yeah. you couldn't. Yeah, you had to watch Planet Terror first. Yeah. Um, luckily, the trailers in between the two movies kind of lightened it up a little bit. Yeah, those are which great. was was it Grindhouse that had the trailer of um. Nicholas Cage as the Nazi werewolf yep, guy. Yep, yep. That was the best thing I've ever seen in my yep, life. Yep. Okay. So, I think we've talked about hatefully enough. Let's bring yep. Aiden into this. Let's oh, talk some Star Wars. Finally, I can Wars. talk. Let's talk some Star Wars. <laughs> okay, okay. First off, we're going full spoilers because you've had enough time. You yes. know what you've done. Yes. At this point, everyone knows. And um, first off, now. no, no, no. I'm no, going no, right. No, I'm no, going no, right. No. You can't. I, no, st- no, no, you no, can't no. stop me. I called it on record on our Star Wars thing. Han Solo dies. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry about that. No, what I was gonna say is I'm gonna prove your whole sci-fi thing wrong. Sci-fi or, thing. Oh, oh yeah. No, or you no, no. can't like Star Wars is not a sci-fi movie. It is space fantasy, 100. percent Okay. Fine. We're yeah. talking like hard sci-fi. Yeah. It is 100 like percent not sci-fi. Okay. Well, yes. Han Solo does in fact die. Yes. yes. And I called it. I think I was also in on that too, wasn't I? I hey, wait, think... wait, bring it, bring it right. There we go. They <laughs> clapped. They clapped. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said on input two, this is the first Star Wars movie I. Yeah, you know I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Yep. I really enjoyed this movie. It was um, a good movie. I I really did. I kind of realized something. Um, so you didn't like the original movies that much. No, like I would just, not just, say like just to clarify the previous thing. Like they didn't, they didn't really stick out to you as anything. They didn't special, wow special. me. The, I mean, I'm, they didn't enrapture you. I'm like, I'm one of those people who Empire Strikes Back is like my favorite one. But even then, it's like, I just like it a little bit more than the other two. Um, I think I would actively argue that what George Lucas did to those might be why you dislike them, or to the degree that you do. I th- I think so. I think a lot because of Because I rewatched them recently in preparation for the seventh movie. Mm-hmm. One of the scenes that sticks out to me so much now 
is the scene between Han Solo and Jabba that was added in mm-hmm. that wasn't in the original theatrical release. That's basically just them talking about what had previously been talked about in the last scene, except worse. Mm-hmm. And it's like there are so many things like that throughout the entire thing that just stick out. And it's just like, yeah, this could be a factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this one, you know, felt trim. It felt really quick. I liked all the new characters quite a bit. Um, I even like the older characters, although I, I like how they were used, not overtly so. Mm-hmm. They were uh, just in there just enough. Yeah. But I, I like that they weren't cameos, though. No. They, they were, were full characters. They were plot points. Like, that was important to me. However, my one big thing that I've told everyone about when it comes to my feelings about Star Wars Episode Seven, it feels like Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was. I've never grinned so much in mm-hmm. a theater. The it... moment the title thing came up, I and again, I was not that big a fan of Star Wars. I felt like it was. You important. get excited. Yeah. It's it's important. You're seeing a real Star Wars movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even excited when I watched the prequels. Like, oh man! But you know, I was sitting in the theater on like a very late night showing, and I was like, something wow, about I actually when the music like... comes up and mm-hmm. you just see the Star Wars. It just felt like so cool. Now, and. What were you gonna say? Oh no, I was gonna have a question about after right after the title sequence, that last sentence, the old ally, and it was someone that we had never ever seen before. Did that throw anyone else off? Because it wasn't. I, I looked it up. It okay, is not it a relevant not character. Someone. It was no one that had ever been mentioned before in any of the previous movies. It was literally just some dude that knew about Leia. That's it. Okay. Hmm. Um. Here's the question, though. Do you consider thirty years time enough to be considered old ally? Because that's enough for, to write it off for me. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine if it was such an important ally yeah. that he had a map to where Luke Skywalker was, he should be well, someone that we He knew. had like one thirty second of a map. Okay, but he had the part that they needed. True. I True. mean, it was two parts. He had two pe- There were two we're pieces. We're talking about Poe, right? No, no. no we're the talking old about man the old that handed Poe. Po po oh, okay. Yeah, the guy in the hut that gets who, killed. Who was that? Exactly. No, no, yeah, that's what we're talking. I, about. I meant like actor-wise. Oh, oh, that was uh, was Peter it? Dance, I believe. No, okay. it wasn't Peter Dance. It was um. I thought it was Max von Sydow. No, it wasn't. Yeah, Max von Sydow is the guy who plays Death in the Seventh Seal. I was like, yeah. what the? No, heck? no, 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 no way. He looked <laughs> like him. He did but look he, like him. That's why. But I, he I is still him. very much dead. Yeah, I, can I was, was going to say. Um, <laughs> that guy's been dead for a while. My, he has become <laughs> death. Yeah. Uh, it won me over with the first scene with uh the wrecking of that that village mm-hmm. i like i like that lucas's call was immediately verified tomb raider i mean tomb raiders god <laughs> stormtroopers literally torching a village that's mm-hmm. a, that's exactly what lucas wanted and that's exactly what happened in the opening scene mm-hmm. and I mean, it felt for the first time like i don't know like if you look back at those older movies it feels a little more cartoony and like the stormtroopers, I mean, it's it's charming how like their armor's plasticky and mm-hmm. you can hear it and stuff. I think but that like, was more because it was like a kids movie. Yeah, it was yeah. more it was more of a kids movie. And this one, you know, it's still I would say it could a be kids, a kids. It movie. could still yeah, be a kids absolutely. movie. But I felt like the the villains were more impactful. I honestly With felt one like, painful exception. Are we talking about Cap Phasma? Of course we my, are. I bought into the toys and stuff. I don't buy into toys and stuff, but I bought into the toys for Cap Phasma thinking I was going to get this character I was going to love. You and got then, a character for two scenes. Yeah. yeah. Someone counted it out. She had like 97 seconds of screen time. That's <sighs> Oh, that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. I know. And, you know, that that was a disappointment to me. But the other villains I was more than won over with. I really, My favorite part of the movies was Kylo Ren. I didn't think I would like that, but I like his... 
his edgy teenage boy. No, yeah, I mm-hmm. Adam so Driver I think, get a great I think presentation. He's, I think he's a dumb villain because he's not really a villain. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. the whole point. Mm-hmm. I like the portrayal of him. However, let's talk finale real quick since we're talking about Kylo Ren. Yeah. I do not understand how people walked out of that movie not understanding how Kylo Ren could have lost that fight. The whole movie was basically Wookiee Bowcaster, here's how awesome it is. And then he gets shot by it and everyone's like, yeah, he's been trained for years. How come How come he couldn't beat these two people who had basically been completely fresh? Yeah. <laughs> after he's been fighting for approximately 30 minutes and then got shot. And like, why, why, why couldn't he beat them? Really, what has he been fighting against? He hasn't fought against another lightsaber or Jedi. Or that we know le- of. At least we know not- he's been training with the Knights of Ren, but that's it. But we don't know who they are for real. No. Yeah. So, I mean, that was how I rationalized it. I was like, okay, this this has just been a, a punk kid who has yeah, minor powers. He's out of practice. He's half-trained. He's torn between sides. He's been shot, and he's been actively doing things for and the past And he's literally, you know, trying to get testosterone going. No, trying like to get dark side going. Mm-hmm. He's channeling the dark side through pain. Yeah. That, and I love that. That was, as soon as he started pounding on his side, I was like, Ugh. That's the, again. I'm pretty sure he was making that noise in his helmet too. Yeah, sure. Those small details is why I liked him so much. And like, even the good characters, you know, Finn, Ray, and Poe. I, I, I want more movies with them. That was something mm-hmm. else. I walked out of the movie. I was like, I want to see yeah, more they, movies. They really, they really sold me over yeah. on those three. Mm-hmm. Poe, to a lesser extent, I don't get the love that everyone has for Poe. Like, I like him. Don't get me wrong. I like. So uh, how does this work? You talk first. I talk first. Like, like he's he's funny. I he's charming. I like him. I don't get how everyone walked out of that theater liking him more than Ray. I think he sort of represents the pilot that we got. I mean, with Luke, we got the pilot and we got the Jedi. Here, they've sort of divided it into two different factions, the charismatic pilot and the sort of, I don't want to do this, but I know it's necessary, Jedi that yeah, Ray but she's, is. Yeah, but she's the pilot and the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, she flew the Millennium Falcon. She did, she and flew, everything she that she's in, she's a great Falcon. pilot. She flew the Millennium Falcon better than anyone else has ever flown the Millennium Falcon. And she knows it better than Han knew it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I just... And then with the whole debacle with the Ray toys, I'm I'm bitter. I'm bitter about it. Second series are giving her some, which, I mean, at least that shows that fan outcry, you know... Did I mean, something good, but still, yeah, no, yeah. she should have been in the first one. She, yeah, she's the like, I she's get, the main character. She, yeah, I get that. Like pre-release, I'm so glad they didn't make it clear she was the main character. Yeah. I liked the, I liked the um, bait and switch with Finn. Yeah, mm-hmm. post-release, there should have been a freaking toy on the shelves for her. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I would have bought that thing up in a heartbeat. She is awesome. I'm. They did her very well. Better than Camp Phasma, which they got me to buy the toys of. Seriously, for real though, why on earth wasn't uh, TR8R, why wasn't he Phasma? That, I would you be know, fine with that. Uh, you could have easily replaced him with easily Exactly. There's no reason he wasn't Phasma. However, okay, there is some new extended universe stuff that kind of makes him interesting. Uh, like his unit? With um, with Slip Zero and Nine, mm. or wait, what was the name? Slip. I know Nines was Sixes? one of them. No, Nines was one of them, and I, but I think the other one. Sixes is from Bionic Commando or uh, Republic Commando. Oh, okay. Regardless, I did like the fact that that's probably who that was, and I did like mm. the fact that the stormtrooper that died at the beginning that made Finn lose his resolve was probably Slip. That was yeah. that. It was. I like that the extended universe is already mattering. Mm-hmm. And I, and I did enjoy the fact that like 
it wasn't necessary. Like, I didn't read up on the extended universe stuff like yeah, beforehand, exactly. and like I still enjoyed. Like, I still felt the impact of like him with the blood on his hands. Yeah, I still felt the impact. Which, of, incidentally, was that like the first actual blood in a Star Wars movie? Because there's been cuts and stuff like that. Was that the first blood? I believe that's the first blood because most things get explained away by, like, the laser cauterized the wound or the Which, lightsaber cauterized the wound. I mean, true, though. It's true, yeah, yeah but, uh, yeah, there's never... Oh, okay, what did you guys think of the increased repulsiveness of energy weapons in this one? You're talking about, like, Ray's gun? Those, like, square-looking things? Like, there's no, actually no. blowback to them? Yeah, or? like, all, of, all energy weapons in this repulsed the, their target. Like... Lightsabers bounced off of people after cutting them. Like bolts blasted people backwards. I mean, it. it I'm not a physics guy, so I can't say it. No, makes... no, it makes no sense whatsoever. Okay, but once again, space fantasy, not sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. In terms of strictly enjoying it as a movie, what did you guys think of that? I thought it added more gravity to it. Like it added definitely more weight to what's happening. And what I mean, yeah. like even seeing like Ren like stopping the bolt and just staying there, it made it feel like well, this is like a missile that he's Which, holding in place. Incidentally, holy crap! Can you imagine if he wasn't being fake trained in the dark side and he actually oh, just yeah. focused on the light on the light, which he clearly is? Let's not lie to ourselves. Mm-hmm. How powerful he would be! Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he probably incredible. would be like the next No one coming. has ever done that. Darth Vader at best deflected bolts. Mm-hmm. He just full on stopped one, released the other thing that he was stopping at the same time, and stopped paying attention to it. And then just eventually flew off. Presumably and when he actually stopped paying attention like, to it. All right, I did that. And it all, like, his character fits so well because stuff like that, it's, like, unstable almost. Mm-hmm. And well, he, Everything about him was. Mm-hmm. That was the whole point. His lightsaber, his, like, personality. It's all, What like, did you guys think of his tantrums? Because I heard mixed things about that. I liked his tantrums. I, I, it made sense for his character. If it was, like, Darth Vader just freaking out, no. But it, I saw that he was a fractured person. The tantrums themselves weren't like humorous but other people's reactions to them like mm-hmm. the stormtroopers the stormtroopers who spin around yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nope, 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 nope. that was a great part and i was i like the fact that it wasn't played up like him like being angry wasn't played for humor it was like smartly done in another yeah. way because like it's still he's still emotional but like it was kind of funny which to... that's kind of indicative of the entire movie to me i really felt like they really nailed that darker tone that none of the other movies had really been able to without sacrificing even one bit of the fun no mm-hmm. which that was a feat like, yeah. you could feel the weight of, you know, all these actions matter. They are losing this war people still. People are dying. Like, we're seeing people die. Whole but there's still survival. Like, Screw people that. are still... I hate that scene. That was awful. That was, like, the They worst. cut a scene out that would have made that scene matter to me. Mm-hmm. Now, can you explain what you mean by we that? We are talking about the scene where Starkiller Base finally fires and blows up the rest of the New Republic. However, up until that moment, we had no we had idea no idea the New Republic existed, let alone who they are, and that's because they cut out a scene where um, Carrie Fisher, Leia, Leia would have been talking to one of the New Republic people, and I think that they chickened out because they didn't want to risk having some uh, prequel-level politics. I would have really liked some prequel-level politics to tell me why I should have cared about that Just crap. Just like, mm-hmm. Two minutes. Just also, three. also enough to tell us that wasn't Coruscant. Yeah, because yeah. they don't tell us that, and it, and looks, it looks like, like Coruscant. It. Yeah, and it, it is a little confusing um, when that when that happens because like that was my first reaction was like, oh, that's Coruscant. Because my my thing is if I see that's flying where the cars, is. yeah, if I see mm-hmm. flying cars, that's my. That's just because we're used to it. That's it's what so we expect. Yeah. Like there are three planets that matter. It's basically Tatooine, Endor, and and Coruscant. Yeah. yeah. Jakku was kind of a disappointment to me because it felt too much just like... It just felt like we were back on Tatooine. Yeah. I didn't I understand that. I, I like Jakku. I but like I didn't understand the It difference. wasn't diverse. It wasn't diverse enough to be its own planet to me personally. No, but see, for me, 
like um more extended universe stuff, it felt to me like there had been stuff before. Okay. Yeah, I where, guess. Where where yeah. Tatooine just feels like a desert. Tatooine feels like it's bits of oasis. Jakku feels like if those oasis uh, those oases had been targeted and wiped off the map. Okay. So like because this is a war-torn a planet. Yeah, that's the feeling I got from it. And I can't really cite anything specific other than we know the battles that were there. Yeah. I can't cite anything that made me feel that, but that's what it felt like to me. Like there were people living here and they were living semi-prosperously like on Tatooine. And then that got wiped out. And now it's just them struggling now to survive. Now it's just the desert. Mm-hmm. Like, with, like, I hope that doesn't get wiped away in some EU stuff because that made that much more enjoyable for me personally. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I, I didn't really think of it that way. It just, to me personally, it just felt like, and that well, was the other thing that kind of felt. Because why would someone be there otherwise? Yeah, like, no. They all, there are people with ships there. Why would they be on Jakku if it hadn't previously been something? That was the other thing that kind of confused me was why is the Millennium Falcon there? Like, I didn't... Got stolen and stolen and stolen and I, stolen. I know, but, like, and why would the they force. go to... Yeah, yeah, and the Force. force. It finds which, a way. Which, incidentally, most movies, I would have a problem with that ultra-level, god-tier deus ex machina crap. I like it in Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... I like the... Why did that happen? That's how it works. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like here's the keys of the ship. They're it, already inside. Go. What, you gotta respect the fact that they don't over-explain things. Yeah, yeah. they. Things no, one, work... no one says it's the force. It's just like, oh yeah, because when you force. try to over-explain things, you get midichlorians. Yeah, you get like other and things. Gillette shavers. Yeah, <laughs> you get things like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the Gillette shavers though. It was so, so funny. funny. <laughs> and he speaks into a Gillette shaver. <laughs> yep. Um. But uh, one last thing on Star Wars. Um, crap, I spaced it completely. Oh, my God. Uh, was well, it Snoke? Uh, it was not Snoke. Specific actor or scene? Oh. Okay. Oh. I like, since we're talking about the deus ex machina that is the mm-hmm. Force, I like that they're focusing on that more. I like that that's actually being addressed to a lesser degree that it's like, yeah, this is the reason these three people are brought together out of all the people in the entire galaxy is because of the Force a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I wish that they'd done that in the prequels because that would have made it better. Because, like, if we'd had some resolution at the close of... Crap, what's the third movie called? Revenge. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. If we'd had some resolution towards Revenge of the Sith that was basically saying, wait, yeah, this actually kind of is bringing balance to the Force. This is how it was supposed to happen, because that is what happened. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. what the Jedi wanted clearly wasn't balance. Like, I, I just want someone to... I want someone who isn't George Lucas to go back and add some little bit in that does can that. Just have someone remake the prequels that's not George Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Because, right. I mean, there's necessary information in them, but what we got was Darth Vader's backstory, which, I mean, like. I hate sand. Yeah. It's so coarse. And it gets yeah. Everywhere. It didn't add up to much. Like, there, there's interesting things you can explore with that, but. The whole prequel trilogy is basically why did Padme settle for Anakin? Yeah. Why did a 17-year-old fall in love with an 11-year-old? Especially especially with Ewan McGregor inches mm-hmm. away from you at all times. Right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I guess... There are several fan theories. About. Uh, okay, I was yeah. going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> there are several fan theories that uh, Palpatine originally wanted 
uh, Padme to fall for Ewan McGregor. There are several theories that Padme and Ewan McGregor were. Oh, I like that I'm saying Ewan McGregor and not Obi Wan. Well, Padme I, and Obi Wan Kenobi were actually having an affair the entire time. I, I was talking about sense. the fan which theories about what Ray's parentage of yeah. like. Okay, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Okay, there are a lot of theories about Ray's parenthood. Yeah, and honestly. Out of all of the super in-depth nerding out, do you want to know the reasoning that I think that Ray is a Skywalker? Why? Because hmm. Ray Skywalker is a cool name, and I don't think they'd let it her is. have a dumb name. It's better than Ray, Ray Smith. Ray or Kenobi. Ray Kenobi. That doesn't that doesn't sound good. Ray no. Skywalker sounds good. But mm-hmm. you know what it should be? Ray Hope. Ray Binks. Yeah, Ray Binks. <laughs> <laughs> I hurt Aiden. <laughs> okay, so should we move on to the Revenant yeah, let's for go a ahead brief and... second? Uh, okay. Sure, Revenant. So, so you guys like it. Well, first, we're not going to talk spoilers on this, so if you haven't seen it, you're good. We will be vague. Because The Revenant hasn't been out long enough that you deserve to have it spoiled for you if you haven't seen it. It only came out last week, didn't it? Uh, wide release last yeah. week. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> I love The Revenant. I like The Revenant quite a bit. I told Aiden if I was going to give it a rating, I would give it a, a 7 out of 10. Um, I probably will bump we it up. We don't do ratings here at Bite. I was just, I'm, if I'm going to... We num- do pluses and minuses. If I was going to give it a numerical score, that would be what it would be. Because I love this movie a lot, but certain things took me out of it. But I want to hear more about why you loved it first. Okay. Before I nitpick. First off, insanely beautiful. Yes. I love cinematography. This was one of the prettiest movies of the year, and it was shot with all natural light. Oh, yeah. That's, Im- that's impossible. That's freaking... Uh, Inuritu sold his soul to the devil for this one. Mm-hmm. It, it there was it's a worthwhile theater experience. I will I will say that completely. Like, go and see this in the theater because mm-hmm. seeing these images projected on a screen like that is just absolutely beautiful. And, and, and like the natural lighting is so immersive that I genuinely felt myself getting colder as this movie goes on. Oh mm-hmm. wow! Like I like. Uh, Carmen was with me on that one. I'd put on a jacket halfway through because I was like, "We've been seeing a man rolling around in the snow for two hours." Mm-hmm. I would make you chilly. Yeah. The thing that got me chilly was the, all the water stuff. Yeah. I mm-hmm. hate water stuff in the snow already, and just like seeing poor um, Leonardo DiCaprio having to swim through frigid water in real. I mean, he really had to do that. Um, backstory on like how this was filmed. Um, I told you this during yep. input too. Inuritu was like, you know, a lot of the actors were uncomfortable. A lot of them got hurt. A lot of them didn't like the way he was doing it. But he said, you know what? That this shows on the, the screen. Best, this is going to make the best possible Yeah, movie. he said, if we were just to film this with, you know, green screen and coffee, it would it would look like crap. Yeah, and the set was uh, like 30 degrees the entire time. Like, mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And I don't. Mm-hmm. A lot of outside stuff. So you got to be. It was, a, it was a brutal movie. Okay. And. While we're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio surviving the elements, what did you think of his performance? Because I personally think he obliterated the castaway test. I, 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 I'm not a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan, but I will you say, hurt me. I, I'm not a big one. His recent movies, like Django, Wolf of Wall Street, this one, I, okay. I've really liked him in those okay. movies. He's it, really so, matured as an he's actor. Mature, he's matured as an actor. I don't get the overblown hype for him, but. Recently, I have I've seen him become a better actor. There's a reason why he hasn't gotten an Oscar yet. And I don't think he's delivered that kind of performance. Yet. I disagree with you entirely. Calvin Candy deserved an Oscar for a Best Supporting Actor. I'll have to. And look he in... wasn't even nominated. I don't believe. Okay, Calvin I'll have Candy. to look and see. Calvin Candy and Django Unchained. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But I feel like this year he really delivered a performance that I would be comfortable saying like he deserves some award because not only just for the physical stuff he had to do. 
he was able to convey such emotion mm-hmm. for being like, you know. He couldn't lot, speak half the movie. He couldn't speak half the movie, and, you know, I felt it. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to say anything, and that's good acting to me. Um, so I really I enjoyed Tom Hardy in this movie quite a bit, too. Uh, my only problem with Tom Hardy, because here's the thing that I love about Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio is a transformative actor. Oh, yeah. He is 100% his character every single time I see him in a movie, and there's never any doubt. I never, I like, 100%, Leonardo DiCaprio always becomes the role. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy is typecasted quite a bit. And he's the mumbling badass, usually. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing that Tom Hardy becomes. And that's what I felt he was in this movie. Like, I thought he had some good moments. I thought he had some incredible moments, especially the scene where he's talking about being scalped. Um, I the, the thing that won me over was the scene where he's talking about his dad and the uh, finding, finding God. God, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. we're not going to spoil that because that's such a good moment. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think he delivered a very good performance, but it wasn't a performance I'd seen before. Ah. Uh. However, Donald Gleason. Yes. This is the year of Donald Gleason. Oh, you were talking about that earlier. Uh, yeah. He was even great in Star Wars. He was great in Star Wars. He was great in Black Mirror. He was great in Ex Machina. He was great in Revenant. Revenant is the, his best work for me. Revenant is what proved to me that he could be something other than the just the pale white dude. And that's like all I think of him as. Revenant made me think of him as a powerhouse of an actor. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He... And I didn't even recognize him at first too much. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, they're very dirty people in this movie, mm-hmm. and it's like even Tom Hardy, I, I had a hard time recognizing him at first. You know, my number one question I got coming out of this movie: What? How did humanity survive this time period where everyone was this uh, dirty? Carefully, I imagine. Yes, I think just the sheer numbers overwhelmed the germs. Mm-hmm. I think that's one part about this I like. Um, a lot of westerns nowadays they focus on like. They're spaghetti. The spaghetti type western, and instead Everyone's of the, very clean. Yeah, instead of the what the West really was like, and the West, you know, was brutal. It was, you know, you're you're, you're surviving minute by minute, mm-hmm. and it was I, dust and dysentery. That's it all was it was. dust and dysentery. What did you think about the Native Americans in the film? That was one part that I I went back and forth on. Uh, First Nations people yeah. or American Indians, actually. Okay. Yep. Um. I thought all of the performances by were incredible, especially Hawk. Yes. Hawk, the actor who played Hawk, killed it. Okay. I liked the role. I liked that... Okay, for lack of a better explanation, to me... The uh, American Indians in this movie were the re-tribe, right? Yes. Well, no. The ones that were following him were the Pawnee. Yeah. Because they were trying to find a specific person. Yes. But the main antagonists towards the group of characters in this was the re-tribe. Yeah, the re. And to me, they represented, like, the same kind of looming threat in out in the wild that, like, zombies do in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, if they find you... They're going to kill you because they can, and there's no repercussion to that. Yeah. They and it's can like, and they will. Yeah, and, it, and then, like, they're directly contrasted, like, because one of the opening scenes is an incredible battle sequence. Yes. And we see just sheer brutality on both sides, but but the thing is we see that the Re are clearly more skilled than the Americans. I mean, yes. the Americans. I hate that I just said that. Than the settlers. Mm-hmm. And then that's directly contrasted the entire time with the Pawnee that we see throughout the entire movie 
just trying to find one of the people's daughter. Yeah. And it's like, I thought that it was important that they gave us that contrast where it's like, yes, these the main characters still feared the Pawnee the same way they feared the Ree. But it wasn't. But we were given both sides. Yes, that was the thing that made me go back and forth throughout the movie. Was I was like, I, I, I'm worried it's t- going towards one way. But then it was definitely like struck a nice balance in terms of like my fear going into it was it was going to like demonize or like make a cheap enemy, which and I do not feel it did. I don't. I don't feel it did either. And like for a little bit, I was like going back and forth. And then when it got to the ending, I was like, okay, I see what they were doing, and I I appreciate the fact that they mm-hmm. they went that route with it, because I mean, this is how movies have trained me now. I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was waiting for them to be like demonized or like turned into like when they show up at the. I'm not gonna spoil that part, but no. a certain part where they show up, I felt like oh, this could have been the moment where they it shifted, but it, it didn't. And I was like, wow. You know, and if we're talking about the same sequence, I feel like even if it had shifted, it wouldn't have necessarily been a demonization. Like, because the whole the whole point of the movie, which we could have a whole conversation about the supernatural elements yeah. that, that are possibly there, I felt like the whole point of the movie was fate. And yeah. if that was fate, then it was fate. Mm-hmm. I think we were talking about a different part because I know what you're you're referring to, but I I do feel that yeah, it was about fate, and um, I am it, it might improve with me on a second watch. But um, I, I, this was I'm not a big fan of Inuritu. I did not like Birdman that much, or why do you hurt me like I, this? <laughs> I just, yeah, no, I loved Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> it was not that much. I will say not that much. It was I still I watched it over break for the first time, and I was like, this is an impressive. All of his movies are very impressive, it, beautiful to look at first off, and get some really good performances. But sometimes I don't know. Birdman kind of. Went a little too out there for me. I can agree with that. It was and a little askew. But at this points. one, hit I loved the... those moments though. That was the, that was those were the selling points for me because I think I know the elements you're talking about. Yeah, it hit this one. The Revenant hit all the right moments for me, and it was just like it was a good contrast to the Hateful Eight, where I felt kind of hopeful. Yeah, which I actually wanted to talk to you about a very specific element of the Hateful Eight that as I've been thinking a lot about. Okay, and that was the very very different portrayals of rape in those movies. Hmm. That struck me most as the key difference. Like, if I wanted to encapsulate the difference between these two movies, I would discuss the two different rape scenes in those movies. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just incredible from a directorial standpoint how different they were. Yeah. And both, uh, I mean, like, it, totally different. Like, I, I'm st- again, I wrestle with the Samuel Jackson's uh, discussion. But um, I know what you're referring to in The Revenant, and I felt like, you know, that was, in terms of what I've seen in movies that, that show rape, that was something that I felt showed it in a way that was is horrible or, like, and it, and it didn't even show it. That was another thing. Well, that's debatable. It, that's debatable, yeah. But It, it didn't make a spectacle It didn't make it. a spectacle out of it, and the hateful eight did? Did? But that was the point of the scene. That was the point of the scene. So and again, that was Quentin like, Tarantino. Watch making... both movies and yeah. you'll understand the the context we're talking about. Because obviously, we're not going to say, "Oh yeah, it's completely okay the way that rape was portrayed in yeah. either movie." Because gross, still. Yeah. But um, in the Hateful Eight, the whole point of the rape scene was a story to get a rise out of someone, mm-hmm. and you know, done in a way that that, that definitely like spectacleized yeah. that that moment. And it just 
and it's Tarantino's way. It's it's getting a rise out of you yeah. through this. Um, okay. So, what's next, Jake? A nice, um, little, okay. a nice little oh, break. Um, oh, that's right. It's the, oh, uh, it's the what Golden we, Globes. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about what we watched over uh, break. Oh, uh, watched okay, or, yeah. Watched what or played we watch? over break. Um, Aiden, you didn't talk at all yet, so. Uh, this is Aiden's bit. Um, Let's watch talk or play. Aiden. I watched Star Wars four times. Um, nice. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much my winter break. I have a lot of n- Netflix shows. Uh, like we talked on input to F is for family. If you just want to watch something awful, yeah, is I, it I bad like, or it's, awful? It's, like, it's bad. It's, bad. Okay. it's just bad. It's Bill Burr trying to be a writer. It's I don't know just who Bill Burr is bad. basically uh, the way I could tell you. This Executive is, producer Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the, uh, another way is that it it very much wants to be BoJack, but misses everything about BoJack that's that made good. BoJack BoJack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they think that BoJack Horseman's good because it's it's like raunchy esque and like. You know, kind of depressing, de- depressing, but doesn't which, in a which that is, that is almost seventy percent of what is great about Bojack. This yeah. is the point completely and turns it into like it misses. I'm gonna guess it misses the hope. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah, There's it no does. hope in this. Yeah, and oh, um, real quick question because I'm actually about to dive into this because of apparently the spectacle that it was. What did you guys think of Moral Oral? I love Moral Oral. Moral it's Oral. It's so great. Okay. Oh my. Okay. God. Yeah. Okay. No, Jake Oral. is a huge Stantonopolis fan. Oh my um, God, Moral Oral. Um, I got into it. Uh, I'm sorry. Mind if I go first? No, no, no. Just, you go first. I need a moment. <laughs> to let, it, let, him, let him gather. Uh, I started with Merle Oral with a very – it actually started as a Christmas special on Adult Swim. Yeah, no, they played the last episode first. I read a whole thing about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what I – I had no idea. And I was like, okay, this is a Christmas special. This was when I was younger. I absolutely hated Merle Oral. When I got back, it was about the time Frankenhole had come out. So I was, you know, I was aware of Stantonopolis. I started watching again. I absolutely – fell in love with it i was wondering where it had been my whole life i was like oh wait that was the show i neglected waiting for the new aqua teen hunger force to come out Mm -hmm. so i just i love moral oral it's it's funny it's hilarious but it also has those episodes that are just not funny at all like uh i remember the bully episode with his mom being like you're stupid yeah exactly oh my god there's okay yeah because i heard the big thing was he got told on one of the episodes that it was too sad, but it was also one of the best episodes yet. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, I'm going to make them all sad now. Mike Laszlo, the uh, president of Adult Swim, called Moral Oral the best show he ever put on Adult Swim. He was so proud of it. And then canceled it yep. in the same conversation with Dino Stephanopoulos. He said, this was the best thing we put yeah. on, but I'm not putting on any I more. believe it was Game of Sutra did a really great profile of it. Mm-hmm. And it was simply because it was just... It, it was, was simply because... It didn't fit with the audience, but it was still no. a good show. A lot of people missed the point. And I will say, the reason I gush over it so much is because it's a tale of, like, three seasons. The first season is very good. The second season is also very good. But then you get to the last episode of the second season and the 13, I believe, episodes of season three mm-hmm. telling one, basically a movie-long story about Oral and this one day with his dad. Yep. Oh, my God. There's, like, <laughs> I don't want to well up because there's certain moments in it that make me well up. But, like, that's one of those shows that every single character matters, and they give moments to make them... That's like, the and they give them I a sense of closure. That's like the thing I really heard about the second season. The second season and going into the third season, which I, I would argue is my favorite season of TV ever, just because it's, really? it's 13 episodes, and there's a little countdown each episode, like one out of 13, like two out of 13. Are these 10-minute episodes, basically? 10-minute yeah. episodes. Okay. And each one follows different characters in Moralton. Or, or Moralton, yeah. Yeah, Moralton. Yeah. 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 And what they did during this day, Moral went camping with his dad, or like the aftermath of what happened with camping with his dad. 
And Clay Puppington, his dad, is one of the best animated characters ever. His mom, Liberta, is one of the best animated characters ever. Okay, I'm really excited to start watching. Yeah, this. no, it is I will say, if you don't like the first season, that is not indicative. Yeah, of see, that's what, what goes I've heard. on. That's what I've heard. There's a complete tonal shift. Mm-hmm. And what's a shame is that the first season is the only one available on DVD because Adult Swim will not make the other two. But you can find them on Hulu. You can find them on Hulu. Um, I mean, if Adult Swim's not profiting, I'm not really terribly sorry about getting it from completely I, reputable sources. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know why they have not done that, but. I'm so happy someone's you're gonna watch that because it's uh, such a good show. That, that I'll, I'll update you as place. I go along. That, that and Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, are like my two that favorite. I really need to see my I've favorite underground ones. <laughs> yeah, Venture also, Brothers is also always Space my... Ghost Coast to Coast. Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Coast. That's a beauty. I love Space Ghost Coast to mm-hmm. Coast. Anything with George Lowe, I'm just instantly in love yeah. with. Um, I watched a movie uh, on Monday that I wanted to. I didn't bring this up on input too, and I wanted to bring this up. It's called Tangerine. It's on oh, Netflix. Yeah. Tangerine, that is... Okay, wait. Is it based on a book? No. Are you sure? Is what? it about a Hispanic dude playing soccer? Nope. Okay. Not at all. Okay. Okay, because um, <laughs> okay, I, I remember reading... Okay. Tangerine, Two Tangerines. Tangerine, I like this movie. I have this... It, I would have gave it probably a 7 out of 10, but um, for Check different reasons. But we don't give scores a bite. Okay. I, w- <laughs> it, I like the movie a lot, but there are some problems with it. It's... uh The first thing is I'll mention the technical aspect of it first. Shot completely on iPhone. Oh, okay. IPhone I remember sets. this movie. Yes. And it is the story of two transgender women hunting down this man who screwed over one of them. Okay, so a Hispanic dude playing soccer. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah so a Hispanic exactly dude playing that. soccer. Um, I, I'm about 99% sure that they actually hired two transgender women to play the characters. Lovely. Always appreciate that. Yes. Okay, wait. Actually, here's a question I have before we get further into it. Um, is there a reason it was shot on iPhone? iPhone. Like did, just what, did the, that... the director didn't have the money to. to okay, so film. it didn't actually play into the movie. Itself. No, it did not play into okay. the movie itself. And it, other than like just if you ever seen iPhone video, you can kind of tell like filters and stuff. Yeah. There's not much that like could signify that this was shot in an iPhone. It's just amazing that it was done that way. Uh-huh. But um, more amazing is just like the portrayal of those two women. Um, and yes, like one they're sex workers, and you can get into the whole thing about why every transgender character is either a sex worker or in prison, which I think is an important thing to mention because, like, in this movie they make reference of that. Hmm. In, in, like, popular media... like No, you, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. Yeah. I just... Th- it sounds like this is the kind of thing where that's kind of the point. It is the point. And, yeah. like, they make reference of, of, like, certain things in the movie. Yeah. And it's just an excellent... Just It's a fun movie, and it's... There's some part... I'll mention the one part that got me down a little bit, but... Down in a good way or down, down in a good way? Down in a good way. way. It, it, it kind of missed a point. And I'll mention that in a second. But all the characters are really well written. There's a uh, Armenian cab driver who has a relationship with one of them. Um, the the man they're hunting down, they, they also is like well developed. All when the you say hunting down. What is their goal? Their goal is to confront him over. Um, one of them has a relationship with him, and he cheated on her. Okay. With, an, gotcha. with, an, with another woman. Because so. when you say hunted down, it could mean anything it, from confront mm-hmm. verbally to murder. Well. The way the one of them is hunting them down, they're, they're mad enough to do that. And there's a confrontation in a donut shop that takes about the last 30 minutes of the movie. Were they back at it again? <laughs> yep, they're back at it again at Christmas. Yesterday Cream. was the anniversary of that, right? Yes, okay. it was. Um, but really good movie. Um, very, very, very well shot, very well acted. Um, the one part that got me down, though, was as much as it gets right about certain things, for some reason it thought that, like, abuse against women is a punchline in like two parts 
that really didn't stick with me. I was like, why is this played up for humor? One character is beating up on a woman and like a man is also like mistreats a woman and it's played for laughs. And I was like, you you don't realize like that's that's not funny. Like it really wasn't funny. Now is this a comedy drama? It's, it's a comedy drama, but like those specific moments, there's like kind of like a little bit of like wacky type music under them, and I was just okay. like, I was made uncomfortable by those those moments. But they're very short, and I, I wouldn't know. say they're indicative of the whole movie, but they definitely feel like you really missed a point here. It's like, weird that that's in there. It's weird that it's in there. That was my reaction too. I was like okay, why why is this played up for humor? You know, why is this... Because, I mean, like, the scene itself is... is I understand why it's there, and it, it, I just didn't get why, like, the humor aspect was played yeah. up. Like, it should have been dramatic. It should have been... That that was the it moment. It should have been uncomfortable. It, it was uncomfortable, and then, like, the music starts, and it's you're supposed to be like, ha-ha, you know? I mean, we're not talking, like, Benny Hill wacky, are no, we? No, no, we're not talking Benny Hill wacky, but there's, okay, like, music that, that, like poppy type music under it that makes it seem like oh it's just you know wacky thing happening but okay. it's on Netflix um, Tangerine oh, it's, it's a good movie yeah it's, okay. it's, it will, I believe it went directly to Netflix oh like one of those uh, Netflix yeah. originals it's not Netflix original oh. but it went directly to Netflix oh, okay. um, what's good the mo- difference here sometimes Netflix just buys like direct to DVD rights so they don't go directly like Magnolia usually competes with them okay. for direct to DVD rights so sometimes they'll just have indie movies come directly to them like uh, Slow Learners movie we yeah. talked about that I watched over one break it, I did some more research between this taping and that one. It did just go directly to Netflix, but it's not a Netflix original. Netflix it wasn't produced by Netflix. Yeah, it wasn't produced exactly. by Netflix. That's the bought. only difference. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's the only difference. Like in other countries, it might go direct to DVD, but in yeah. America, it's but just Netflix. Yeah, good, good movie, not great, but you know, well worth it to see like some good performances um, and a really good ending. <laughs> really nice ending. Well, you, Chase, what did you watch? I saw those three movies, not Tangerine, hmm. uh, rewatched The Raid, Raid 2, and Mad Max. Three incredible movies. We're not going to talk about it. Two incredible Jane movies. One that I haven't watched. Which Mad Max are you talking? All the Mad Max or uh, Fury, Fury Road? Road. Okay. The best one. The the objectively the best one. Oh yeah, I was about to say Road I'm, Warrior is incredible. I'm Thunderdome, a Thunderdome man. I could not. Thunderdome has like three different plots, and two of them are interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. the problem. For that's me. fair. Mm-hmm. Fury Road has one plot. I love Fury Road. Don't because it is a car chase from end to end. Yes. And Road Warrior has one plot. It's I kind of want my car back. I, I want my car back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, okay. And then, aside from that, gaming-wise, I, uh, Carmen and I have been doing our completion run on Dark Souls 2, and that's Ooh. been going swimmingly. Oh, cool. We just, we're, like, 99.9% of the way through our first run. You're going to do that just... again when Nick gets the game. Yeah, He's but planning on it. if Nick's going to get an Xbox, he better get an Xbox One soon and get Dark Souls 3 so he can co-op with us. Okay. That... I, yeah, because we're because Carmen, weak- Cole, and I we're going through fresh, and if we could have a four person gang squad and just be the worst humans on earth, we need to do it. Yeah, Nick is Nick is a, a weak enough person where I know like coming up to that release, he's going to be telling me, "No, nah, I'll, I'll wait a little bit." He did and then he'll grab it. He did it with me with Fallout, and he did it with to me. With yeah, Assassin's but you Creed. pushed him towards those. You you because I knew you are complicit in those. I knew, Implicit is the word I was saying. He, I know he's going to do it. That's the thing. I know. Yeah, but I'm, you're not as innocent as you make yourself sound in those stories. <laughs> I'm going to hold back. I will not tell him to buy an Xbox One, but I'm going to I'm going to sit don't. there. I'm, I'm going to sit there and watch and I know he's going to come to the apartment with an Xbox One and, and Dark Souls 3 and he's just like, "Well, I was going to get it anyway." I was like, "Well, you I knew you were going to do it." Um small gaming thing for me. I got really good at Monkey Ball. Um Oh uh, yeah, wait, 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 we're going which over to your Monkey Ball. Super, Super Monkey, Monkey Ball. Ball on the on, GameCube. Okay. 
Um, cool. the, arguably I, the best one. I would say arguably so. Arguably the best one. Um, I got really good at Monkey Ball, and then I bought um, – I've never played uh, all the way through Wind Waker, so I bought Wind Waker HD, and it's good I really like it. I've never played all the way through a Zelda game. I I have not either. I get Twilight the only one I've played all the way through is Wind Waker. Actually, I play like halfway through and then get bored. With the exception of Twilight Princess, which was the most unplayable garbage I've ever laid my hands Granted, on. Granted, I've only played Wind Waker, so I can't really. Yeah. I like Twilight Princess, but which version did you, Wii version Wii. or okay? You, okay. I, I got through to the tutorial where I was on the horse, and I literally turned off to like took. I don't this, blame you because no. the biggest problem with that freaking thing. No matter what angle you are going at, if you touch a wall while you're on the horse, the horse rears back and it takes three seconds for you to start riding again. Guess what? The Wii can't control. No. no. Try playing Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword is my least favorite Zelda. Yeah, but at least you can wave your arm around and he does it too. Yeah. But not <laughs> even. Oh, boy. Like, yeah, not even very well. Them graphics. But um, I actually played um, Bloodborne the Old Hunters with a friend. Oh. I've, I've not played any Bloodborne, and I played the Old Hunters with him just to see and. I kind of like Bloodborne now. Um, it's, it's a good game. It's an interesting it's, game. I love the art style. It just grabs me with that. And the Old Hunters, I don't know how well the DLC is compared to the game, but I really like the, the story of what the Old Hunters was. I like the fact that Bloodborne, and again, I've only played through like bits and pieces of Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2. I like the fact that like it's lore-based. You have to like kind of read up on it or just assume things. or It's not told to you. You just kind of like walk into an area... There's this boss, and like you kind of yeah. That's find Dark Souls. It. That's 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 how all Dark Souls. Are. I, I like, like that. They don't though. tell you crap. Man. I like that though. Unless I, you're playing Demon Souls, and they tell you way too much. Yeah, but Demon Souls doesn't count because it's garbage. That's true. It's. I just like the fact that like you find those things out on your own time. Mm-hmm. You know. No, I I really appreciate that. Like that's one of my favorite things in Dark Souls is reading item descriptions because you'll never guess which of the items is going to be like. Oh, this is an incredibly important piece of lore that just gave you a hint as to why everything is happening the way mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, and I, I like that a lot. Um, okay, so let's so while we're talking about Dark Souls three because that is the game for me this year. Mm-hmm. What are you guys excited about coming up? Um, my big thing. Uh, I have Firewatch next month coming out. Oh that's, yeah, that's and you have a Firewatch like, review. I have a next Firewatch month review coming out. out next month. Um, I want to play Star Fox, I guess, in April. I My thing is... That's you, the thing I've heard from everyone. I want to play Star Fox, I guess. I don't know yet. I, I've never been a Star Fox fan, but um, I, I I like testing out things on my Wii U, and mm-hmm. I'm always appreciative when a game comes out for the Wii U. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like beggars can't be choosers, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. My thing is, like, whenever an interesting thing happens on Steam or, like, an indie game comes out, that's usually what I, like, jump on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the games I'm going to be... Firewatch is the one that's like in my head right now. Yeah. But Firewatch looks so interesting. It Firewatch does. It looks, looks really so cool. Good. I wish I could play the PlayStation 4 version of um or Xbox One version of Gone Home. I really want to play that game again. I want to see how well it looks on a console. I really do. Cuz the I I mean I have it on PC, but I don't know. I just mm-hmm. want to play it again. Yeah. It's, in, it's in a, a good in one a, to in a new to. light, you know. Yeah. That's that's what my I've been thinking about. What mm-hmm. about you? Uh, for me, Dark big two that are coming out, Dark Souls 3 and The Division. I'm super ooh, excited about ooh, both Division. of them. Division, forgot about that. The Division's almost exclusive. Like, uh, I was in the, I think it was um, an alpha. I was in the alpha earlier this year, and it's like, game's fun. Game's fun to co-op. Mm-hmm. I want. I, I have a, I have someone I'm co-oping with, that with. I'm so excited about it. Nice. And then Dark Souls 3 is just, 
Dark Souls and Destiny are my two big games, full stop. Mm-hmm. Another, like, proper iteration is going to be good. My big hope for Dark Souls 3 is that there's no crap boss like the Four Kings in Dark Souls 1. Oh, the Four Kings was awful. It was the worst boss I've ever played in a video game, just strictly because it, you could not win that based on skill alone. Mm-hmm. It, it, you there had was to have luck. so much luck to do with it. Mm-hmm. That's never fun. No. Yeah, because that's the whole point of Dark Souls. The whole thing about Dark Souls that I've always loved is that it feels so fair. Like, every part of it is like, okay, you can look at this situation, figure out what's going to happen to you, and what you're supposed to do right. Now do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's unforgiving, but it's fair. Yeah. And that's just always drawn me to the series. And, and then Four Kings says, no. No, no it's not, it's this not will just happen. It's just run and start swinging and hope. Mm-hmm. Pray. And hopefully, this is the Dark Souls I get good at PvP at. Because uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to, like, from day one, I'm going to go in on PvP and I'm going to try hard. Nice. I'm gonna become a, I'm gonna become a sweaty. <laughs> what about you, Aiden? What are you looking forward to? Well, uh, I'm I'm not as indie as you or as dark as you. So <laughs> next month, I'm looking forward to Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm Four. You're reviewing that, right? Yeah, I'm reviewing it. Did you throw that on the schedule? Yeah, it's nice. already there. Is it? Yeah. Oh, dope. Yep. Uh, it's just the final one. Um, probably Street Fighter Five is the other one I'm super hyped about. Okay. I'm tempted to buy a PS4 because the other one I'm excited about is uh, Digimon Cyber Sleuth, which is a return to Digimon. Get a, World. Vita. Digimon Get a Vita. Get a PlayStation yeah. TV it's, for twenty well, bucks and play. It came out last year in November, I believe. Get a PlayStation TV for twenty bucks. You but I can't play that. Street Fighter Five on that. <sighs> Street Fighter Five is going to come to PC too. So I don't. I don't have a Mac. Oh, it'll be better on PC. I. I don't know. I d- not everything's better on PC. I grew I, up with the fight sticks and everything, and everything I've learned is that PlayStation fight sticks just work better than PC fight sticks. Ah, uh, I'm saying like it, it would say because I know I want to get Digimon uh, Cyber Sleuths too, but like the quality difference between the Vita version and the PlayStation Four version isn't enough. If if you're buying no, no, no. A, a PlayStation Four just for that, no, 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 no. I'm also buying it for One Piece, Kaizoku Battle Warriors, uh, for the JoJo games, for Okay. You know, I have a Street Fighter question for you. Uh huh. I have Do a Street Fighter. Do they have dedicated servers? Yes. How secure are they? Pretty secure. You don't get hacking that much? No. Wow. Never. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I shouldn't say never. I haven't played on PC ones. I've only played on console oh, okay, ones. I, the PC is what I'm always worried about. Okay, yeah, no. PC, I, it's, I, that's the reason I don't play Dark Souls on PC anymore. Like, cause you can just as hack much, in. As, like, they're crappy ports, but as much as I just prefer to play on PC, so many hackers. I will say the one thing you do run into is bots, um, like bots just doing it to raise ranking. Okay. But even those, uh, they can Isn't only it, get so good. Yeah, I was gonna say, aren't you still just fighting someone? Who's yeah, pretty I good? mean, even then, it's just like playing on a training bot, and you can you can very obviously see. You can tell. Like they'll program in Daigo's move set or um, Cloud's move set, and then it'll play like that player would play. You're like, uh-huh. okay, so I'm playing a Daigo bot, which I mean, once you see that setup. No one else does that exact setup. It has to be the oh. moveset that you saw. So you're so you're either playing the actual person or a bot. Yeah, <laughs> of someone that's you're. I'd be concerned if I was playing Daigo in rookie ranks, huh. but maybe sometimes you just want to crush the people. No, you mentioned Cloud, and that mentioned that reminded me of the other thing I'm excited for. I get to download Bayonetta next month. Yeah, you I, do. I, I thought you were about to say you were excited about Cloud, and I was about to be like, Jake, please. Well, doesn't I Final Fantasy VII down- come out this year? The remastered, yeah. yeah. 
minor aside, did any of you guys read the the Hitman stuff today? Oh, the episodic. Yes. Yes. The fact. Wait, didn't we didn't we learn about that months ago? It just they well, confirmed they stuff conf- today. They confirmed that they're doing it in a different way now. Okay, so what's um, the exact trash they're pulling on us? So what it is is. I believe for $15 you get the the training mission and the first mission. And then throughout the year they're going to release more levels for $10 each. How many levels are they going to release? Enough to make it a $60 game. That's all they've But am I going to pay $60 in the end for they a full game? They said that if you wait till 2017 or something, you could buy the disc version with all the levels. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. That's, yeah. Will it be, it'll still be a full-price game, though. It'll still be a full-price game. Oh, yeah, no. When it no, releases no. in 2017. Yeah. Or no. you could pay $90 for it when it comes out. Yeah, throughout the p- basically pay for it as it comes out. I hate it. That's an awful idea. We need I want people I want fans of the series not to buy it just so that stupid model tanks because I don't want That's an awful. I hate when people are like, "Yeah, but they used it on a franchise I like." And it's like, "Yeah, but now they're going to start using it on franchises you don't like." Yeah. Yeah, and make it for so everyone has to buy well, this. That's sort of the thing that I was confused about cuz the other game that I'm excited for is uh, Fire Emblem's Fates. But then yeah. I don't want to drop the I hate you know, Pokemon. Yeah, I don't I hate want, Pokemon. I don't want to spend like <laughs> Forty dollars, and then be told, "We'll spend thirty more, and you'll get the real story." See, that's the thing: the fact that they've been marking it as like the complete, the full. Yeah, yeah like, that, like that's just insulting. Then that I'm not that I have to buy multiple games to get the full story, and it's like, no. If that's if you're actively telling me in your marketing what you're charging me full price for isn't a full game, you're scumbags. I mean, Pokemon. And- it doesn't matter what version you get; you're gonna get a full story. It's yeah, you fully get the full game, up. and you're just missing like. At this point, I was about to say like 20 because I am an old school Pokemon mm-hmm. player. At this point, you're missing like 100 Pokemon, but still, like even then, it's specific Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. you aren't missing it. You aren't missing the story. And the story, even then, it's told the exact same way, just with different the, players. That's the thing it. too with Fire Emblem Fates is that the third story is DLC, like just additional stuff, and like that the DLC is the connector. AKA the thing that connects both games and makes it a full story. Yeah. So, you know, I could go on for days about how it kind of feels like no matter what options you make in that game, they'll all be retconned for the third and true story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the, th- yeah. Cause you know, if you don't know Fire Emblem Fates, you're basically playing a person who was raised by one side and then taken in by another. And you choose what side you want to defend with either game. And then, um, and then a third one's going to come out that just makes all of that irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. The th- the like thir- a third army rises and you have to come together and yeah. fight it out. That seems like more than likely what the story will be. Yeah, because but just it, no it's way a shame it's because fire, the last Fire Emblem game was so like good with its content and even its DLC mm-hmm. that like I was like I wish they would because most mobile games I mean nowadays are either super pay to win or you know. There, a lot of the content's not there. Yeah, Final and Fate Awakening, like it was all there, and like the DLC was either cosmetic, you didn't need to mess with it, or stuff that like fans would want. At like a dollar ninety nine, you got a bunch of new missions and like three new characters. Didn't you get like Roy in one of them? Roy, you can get Roy, Mark, all the all the famous, all the old characters, all the old characters. So like stuff that just added on to your experience a little bit. It wasn't. The complete thing. It didn't. Yeah. It wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. This is necessary stuff to get the fully, whole story. Fully com- experience the game if you're a real Fire Emblem fan, and they know like Fire Emblem fans are gonna buy it because Fire Emblem fans are very. I mean, know, I passionate. know I'm gonna get suckered into it. Yeah, Fire Emblem fans are they're passionate about the game, and it and it sucks that most places now are like I know people who are passionate about Hitman. I was one of those people who was very passionate about Hitman when Blood Money came out. And Blood Money was so good. Absolution kind of ruined it for me. 
Um, but I, I know people who are very passionate about Hitman and will totally do this without mm-hmm. a second thought. And it stinks because you're just using someone's passion and love for something to, to screw them yeah, out of yeah. money. The thing is, you absolutely know Square would never do this with a new property. No. No. They would only do it with one where they know they already have a dedicated fan base. Well, Square's going to also do it with Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but... I get, I, I, that one is a little more reasonable. But no, it's not. Nope. The the, the four discs, not. that's the thing that gets me, like, the fact that it... It's kind of weird that we're seeing four discs in this yeah, day and age. Yeah, something like, like that. Like, if this was, like, Xeno Saga back in the day, okay, I'd be surprised I got it on four discs. Yeah. But the, the pricing is another thing that's weird, but Square just seems to be going towards this episodic thing with all their their games and it's a little concerning because a I, lot of the major japanese developers are really screwing up right now yeah that's just undeniable i mean nintendo's okay other than this fire emblem thing i mean they haven't really nintendo should have just taken the, the lessons they learned with splatoon like splatoon really had the best like content releases splatoon won the awards splatoon got the sales yes. and everything mm-hmm. about splatoon was good and like it's like they don't grasp it like oh you know Giving people a complete experience and then giving them a bunch of stuff for free afterwards. Actually, no, you can't say that because you were saying at launch you did not oh, feel like you had a complete because experience. Because of the Amiibos. Not, that, no, not even because of that. You were saying oh, yeah, you were well, saying it didn't feel like a complete experience because of the fact that they were going to be releasing that DLC later. True. But once, the, yeah, now it's a complete thing. To a lesser extent, though, because most developers would have charged you for that complete experience yeah. extra. Yeah. You this just had to wait. You, they only charged you in time. Yeah, mm. they only charged me in time. And it going, was like... going back to Fire Emblem real quick, and to what Nintendo's messing up for me, they're finally adding in gay characters to Fire Emblem. Right. The two gay characters are both psychopaths. Are they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the I lesbian know that. character is a stalker, and the and the gay character is a murderer. Yeah. And okay, and that, 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 no, that, that, what, that annoys Again, me. I, I don't know anything about the story. I've been trying to avoid anything yeah. about characters or anything to go in you, as blind as possible. I just looked up characters because I really love the romance in the game, and the and I heard that they were adding right. in homosexual characters, and it's like, that's awesome because there should have been in previous games. And then I read that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah and, no, and that's I'm a totally sure, valid reason to yeah, be upset. I'm sure you've also read the whole, like, kind of miss with the translation or... or oh, the changing them, turning them? Yeah, yeah. that... Basically, there's people don't know this because the English translation is not out. But people it was tran- a fan translation. Fan, that fan translation, which was a translation, if you yeah, yes, uh, that translated the game. And there's a, a, a character who is yeah. how, he, she loves she. is women. Distra- yeah, is distracted by women. And if you play a male character, you yeah, can you do screw something. her straight. You do that. It's, you, it's yeah. that story. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can you you basically change her mind about things. Yeah. And you do the you do the Jack in Mass Effect Two. Oh thing. yeah, yeah, that was awful. Yeah, um, that was a little awkward. But this oh. one, this one was uh, just in terms of like what the fans translated. Just it, so the fan could have mistranslated it. It could have been mistranslated, but, but I don't. It was a pretty bit. It would have to be a pretty major mistranslation. It would have to be a pretty major mistranslation. So, okay. I, as someone that's studied Japanese, I can say. That until we get the official, it can literally be anything. And also, they, and also, and I'm saying this like it's going to sound derogatory towards them, but this is honestly the best case scenario for them. If that's an accurate translation, they can rewrite that character before it hits American shores. That's true. true. That is very true. And you know what they should do? They Re- should rewrite that character yeah. before yeah. it hits American shores. And then realize that, like, you know, you can't. I mean, th- what was the, the thing last year with Tom- uh, Tomodachi Life? 
Oh, the, they didn't have gay marriage yeah. or anything on that. Yeah. And then they said they will look to include it in and future And then this titles. is like the first first thing they're really pushing mm-hmm. for, and it's like... And they're messing it up even worse than yeah, not having it, in my opinion. Because, it, yeah, it's it's. They would honestly be better just not having it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would prefer no representation than insulting representation. I mean, honestly, and that was the thing that I didn't really like was the romancing system of Fire I Emblem. I love the romancing system oh, of I Fire Emblem. <laughs> that was the main I, reason I got I like, I, like I, the, I like the idea that if you fight if you fight alongside someone, you're going to get super close with them. I like, I like shipping two of my soldiers mm-hmm. together and being like... The kids... Okay, a- absolute best. I two two good ships for me because mm-hmm. this is where we are as a as a podcast. This is happening. Pan and the thief. Um, oh, Gar- the candy, Garrus, the candy thief. Yep. yep, those two are adorable. But I wanted Pan and my protagonist, and I played uh, Fem Robin. Have you ever done the uh, pairing of Killum, the big guy with the huge armor, and the witch lady? Um, Darja. oh. Not Tharja, no the the one that you get first, like one of the, the oh with the long purple hair, yeah, the the, 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 the glasses, yes, the, Muriel, 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 Muriel. Yeah. Muriel, those two, have you? Yep, yep, and the, like she just holds <laughs> on to him because she doesn't want to lose him. Yeah, like you oh see, you say this, but then I picked the worst ship possible. I picked Muriel and the Berserker, and then their kid isn't even. See, okay, um, so here's an embarrassing truth. I have played Fire Emblem Awakening like six times. How does the kid system works? I've never had kids they, other than the plot kids. Okay, if you, they have, I can't really say because I don't know because I've only played it once. It depends on who you pair them with, and then like an option will come up. Like it's very specific pairings, mm-hmm. and you get this option for them to have offspring. So or, I've just I've just chosen all the wrong pairings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to talk about another pairing I like. Dommel, okay. the the pan the, on his head. Yeah. I never took him into battle. Not a I single kept, time. Does I kept him become, at home. Does he become worth it at some point? He becomes worth it just because uh, I paired him with the Okay, woman so not with, like in a tactical Not in a tactical way. Okay. No, he's awful. But the woman <laughs> with the red hair. Um, Anna? And, uh, the she's, merchant? She's on a horse. Artemis? No. No, um, Sully. Sully. Oh, Sully, Sully. and Dommel. Because their romance is basically... Dommel is so impressed with her, and he's her number one, like, becomes her number one fan. And, and at first she's just like, I don't really want to hang out with you. And then she's just like, you know, I like having an admirer around. And then, like, pretty much, oh, it's so good. I always do Sully with Frederick. Frederick's really because good, Because them training. I didn't romance it. Frederick with anyone. I did with Sully just because I like the idea of him taking an interest in training her. I mm-hmm. did Sully and the archer. Uh, what's his face? Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, Look, uh, the count. Yeah, because I I love the count. He's just like he's, <laughs> he's so such wonderful. a prick. I love him so much. That um, I'm not ashamed. This to admit is the, the best main topic reason. of the podcast. I think I'm yeah. not ashamed to admit that like the main reason I like Awakening is because Button of mash, this stuff. we ship hard. This stuff yeah. it really is like Fire well, Emblem. It's a key part of the game. It and is like and like you can get games like Fire Emblem without the r- romance bit. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. called Fire Emblem Path of Radiance or. Advance Wars, the GameCube one. Yeah. yeah, Advance Wars is the one I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. or Advance Wars. Yeah, and it's like, which is my favorite. If Advance I Wars one. is so good. But see, the thing is, like, that additional touch—that's just like, oh, you want a strategy game? Cool. You can. Here's the umbrella of strategy games. Oh, you want strategy games and shipping? Boo! <laughs> to me, it's the. This is going to be kind of a weird comparison, but it's the the type of thing that really hooks me into a game, like XCOM's naming your soldier. 
I, I, I've never done it just because I'm so sad when I mess up. Yeah. It's, and that's why. But, yeah, it's like that because, like, when, when I have those two together and they're fighting alongside in battle, I will quit the game. If, I, if they even get, like, I'll halfway, reset the mission yeah, if they I'll, die. If they get halfway down to their health, I'm quitting the game. I'm going back. I can't. Nope. Um, you've never named a soldier? Or, or you, you have named a soldier? I've never named a soldier oh. because I'm terrified of losing them because I'm so bad at XCOM that I can't get past, like, the five-hour mark on easy. I've beaten XCOM. You're talking about Enemy Unknown, right? Or Enemy Within, right? Enemy now. Within, because that's actually one of the games I'm playing right now. I'm giving it another go because I love it. I love it so much, but I'm so trash at it. I am the garbage king of XCOM. I I love XCOM, um, and I love that game a lot. My thing was, and it's just gonna sound so crazy. I used to do like three snipers and one heavy guy, because I would just stick back and just like pin people down and then I send my heavy guy in to just clean up. So, so I, right now I'm running a mech, a an assault, a sniper and um not a support. What's the other class? Um are you mm-hmm. talking about the guys with the the heavy? Yeah. Heavy, yeah. Eh. I used to have an all female sniper squad. That was like my my I accidentally did and then I got an achievement for it. Uh Flight of the Valkyries is for oh. completing a mission with an all female squad. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and I just, I just got a bunch of randomly assigned rookies because all of my skilled people were hurt, and it was just them, and it was just like achievement. I will say XCOM does get a little like it doesn't explain things too well. Like when you go back to XCOM base, and there's all this. Stuff oh, I'm like, good at the base building, but that's the only part I'm good at, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to me, that's there's just so much going. Like, do just you keep me in the base. Do you just keep me home. Do you yeah, wanna... like have you guys played the XCOM board game? No, it's one of the best board games. I've never played XCOM, so okay, you don't need to. The XCOM board game is just the base bit technically where four people you have four players and you each take on a role of the communications officer the science officer the basically the general of the forces and then the head of XCOM who allocates funds right and it's timed so there's a section of it where it's like okay um okay I've been the science officer most of the time you have 10 seconds to say what you're what you're researching this turn and it's like you have to throw down the card throw how many researchers you're going on it then uh, the, the next thing will be okay there's enemies in the base how many people are you how many soldiers are you assigning to the base you have 5 seconds and it's like super tense quick decisions right. that everyone has to work together but everyone's also super isolated one of the best games i've ever played probably second only to arkham horror one, i like arkham horror a it, lot no one likes Arkham Horror. I love Arkham Horror. It's I always the play best the uh, game, gangster. but no one wants to play it because it's five hours long. It is healthy. I will say this: XCOM has a uh, tabletop like thing. Yeah, that's you can what I'm do. talking about. No, no, like no D and D style. Oh, like tabletop. pen and paper, mm-hmm. game. pen and paper, gotcha. paper. And we played it once uh, with my group of friends, and the session lasts twenty minutes. You we lose? all died. Yeah, okay. We that's all died. It has a very first, steep learning curve. In the first door we opened, <laughs> there was two enemies. And Sectoids? we all die. Yeah, that's hysterical. I love it. It's and it's it's not because we did anything wrong. It's just this game's learning curve is like super high up, and it was fun. Like I'm not gonna lie, it was a lot of fun for 20 minutes. For 20 minutes, because we spent like an hour building our characters, and it didn't matter <laughs> one bit. Um, that's like the D and D problem where it's like, oh man, I actually created a backstory for this character, and, and it he took just me got hours. Trumped and, by trolls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, XCOM is one of those. I just if I. St- had my PlayStation 3 still, I would still have my copy of uh, Enemy Unknown. And uh, what's the first, the one before Enemy Unknown, or is it Enemy Unknown? Enemy Unknown was the reboot that's just recently happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Enemy the, Within was the expansion to Enemy that. Within is that if you had it on consoles, you actually had to restart your playthrough. Yeah. I remember I did not get it for that reason. I had Enemy Within. I mean, Enemy Unknown. Enemy Within is super good so far. I, there's one element it adds that I think makes the whole game better, and it's the element Meld, which is this resource that you use to create mech troopers mech and troopers. Um, physically augment your soldiers. But you have a limited amount of time to acquire it on the battlefield before it self-destructs. So it Ooh. leads to you having to make some really risky decisions on the fly because you only have two turns left to get to this canister of meld, but you don't know if anything's over there, so you just have to send someone sprinting in and hope. Minor thing I love about XCOM is every time you like spot the enemies, they have like their, their like their team. little animation with <laughs> yeah. Their this is uh this is an audio podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, little, I swear they're doing things. Their little team animation. Sorry. I love that so much. I didn't. I like. I at first I was like, "This is gonna get. This is." It doesn't. It doesn't. Always seeing funny. like the the like slender looking guys like the thin oh, men. The thin oh. men. Are, I thought that was the grays. <laughs> the little even like the little eyeball things that like turn into guns. Yeah. Um. I just love seeing their animation stuff. Oh, I want to go play XCOM now. I'm gonna tell Nick to go <laughs> rent um, it. It was you could have gotten Enemy Within or on PC for like. Twelve dollars recently. Uh, that's, that's not, not on bad. the Superior Gaming yeah, Mac. Well, twelve dollars with Enemy Unknown, oh, like the base okay. game too. Because <laughs> I got well, no, like you get both. It was a bundle. Oh, okay. That's yeah, not, I got really good. I got though. Enemy Within for seven dollars recently. Oh. oh, what? That's really good. Shoot. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's close with what we were going to end with, which yeah. is gaming resolutions, gaming resolutions for the resolutions. year. Okay. Let's start with good old Jakey Poo. Okay. I. Well, my my resolution is going to be expanding my my gaming a little bit because I think a lot of time I get stuck with I I, I like playing indie games a lot. I never I miss out on a lot of AAA stuff, mm. and I want to play more of that. More specifically, I want to beat a JRPG this year. I want to beat one. Okay, right. do you have any in mind that you want to beat? I have Earthbound downloaded on my Wii U, but I feel like I I should stray away from my, my taste a little bit and try something I can't say I've ever beaten a Final Fantasy I've got a couple you could borrow if you were interested I've always wanted to play 8 12. 8? 8 good 8's a good eight's one good. I, I, I like Squall 8, eight. Nope, eight. choose 8 then I, that would be my goal is I want to beat a JRPG because okay. the thing with me is like grinding is a game killer for me but I, I slowly but surely I've kind of gotten to like that I like the kind of relaxing because when Nick was playing XCOM I mean not XCOM um, Xenoblade there's a lot of grinding in that, but yeah. it was like it's almost relaxing in a way. Yeah, one of my number one games is Killing Floor, which I throw on a podcast and go solo on a level and just grind. Mm-hmm. That's all I do. There's it's just like something melodic and just like yeah. nice about it. So I think I'm in the right mindset to finally play a JRPG. Now I know twelve and like I've s- good. I've watched twelve like play through and so I good. love twelve. Um I will I will ask one question about eight. Is it heavily like love story based because I like 12 because it wasn't I wouldn't say it's an element it's like okay. and it's a I, strong element if, I, but it's if not... I'm remembering properly it's not like it's not like Aerith it's not a reciprocated no. love story see that's is the it? thing no it's not that's like throwing me off of like Final Fantasy stuff is like I I'm, I enjoyed 12 for like the if you want if you want no love story for your main character you want Final Fantasy 13 mm-hmm. if you want no love story you want 4 there is no love in 4 is four the one with the clown? Four is the one with the Dark Knight. Uh, the clown, uh, Kefki? I can't remember. It's five. Okay. Okay, I know sense. what you're talking about there. But all right, I think I'm going to try playing Final Fantasy VIII. Okay? There you go. I think Aiden. that's going to be my goal. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> We're turning back. Aiden. Um, you know, 
honestly, my thing is going to be either getting a PS3 or a PS4 and going back and, you know, spoilers, I host the Anime A-Team, and the one <gasps> thing I've always, yeah, <gasps> I've always regretted is that... I'm not caught up. How am I supposed to know you're hosting it? Um, I've just, I've always had a deep love of JRPGs, like Jake wants to get into them, but mm-hmm. I've been severely lacking in them. Uh, I haven't been playing really any games this past year if it wasn't something that you two recommended for me to play or Fallout 4 I really didn't play anything I finally remembered Um, the game that came over from Japan that we were talking about like several podcasts ago we were talking about an import game that never made it that I wish it did mm -hmm. it was the Drakengard series because Drakengard 3 made it but not Drakengard 1 I believe no but then the Hmm. Nier came over which yeah. is a spinoff oh, of it. Nier, mm-hmm. Nier was awful. I played yeah. that with a friend over breaking well, out for two bucks. Look forward to Nier 2 coming out oh, uh, later this gosh. year. Coming out near to your heart. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm okay, I'm so sorry. Like... Go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I want to go and I want to play like some of the more obscure JRPGs. Uh, I want to play... You should play Eternal Sonata. What I'm no, what I'm seriously most excited for playing. It's not even JRPG. It's One Piece Heroes, is which that? is the Dynasty Warriors One Piece game. That, that exists? Yeah, there's three of them. Oh. Yeah, and All it's right. just, you know, play through the story Dynasty Warrior style because that is my my secret joy, like grinding. I just like playing that one general that runs in the middle of the field and kills, like, 500 soldiers like it's nothing. pretty great about Dynasty Warriors. It's Dynasty Warriors was my game. I, like, even in Dynasty Warriors 3 when they had versus mode, which was the worst idea ever. But Gundam Dynasty Warriors. I had all I three. I remember wasting a lot of time on that. Dynasty Warriors Gundam 2 was probably my game of the year for five years. It was just, <laughs> it was beautiful. I loved it. But there's only so much you can do with menus. Yeah. But um, but that's my thing. It's just going back and playing, like, all the, all the Japanese games I missed. Right. What about you? I'm going to complete five games this year. Fair enough. I'm going to get 5,000 points proper with change on oh, the side. But oh, I'm here, get... I'll help you. Avatar, Avatar the Burning Earth. That costs, that game costs $80 now. Really? Yes, because of that achievement thing. You're joking. If I wasn't, if I was joking, I would own it, man. Oh, wow. But no, I'm going to proper complete five games. So like That's 100% complete a game. I'm Achievement-wise. Okay, achievement-wise. Yeah. Saints Row 4 is also pretty easy. It's not. It's oh, I guess the co-ops. Because, no, no, it's not because of one challenge, which is flying vehicles. You see, I, I on, got those. On my computer, I spent maybe four hours flying from one corner of the city to the other and got halfway through, and I was like, screw it. Oh. Yeah, Man. but because I'm going fi- to complete Dark Souls 2. I'm going to try to complete Dark Souls 3. In the course of co-oping, I'm probably going to complete The Division. For Honor's coming out, and that's probably one that I'm going to spend a lot of time in because, God, that game is good. Mm -hmm. And then along the way, I'll pick up other ones. There will be another one somewhere. I'm going to change my RPG to Valkyrie Chronicles. I want to play Valkyria Chronicles is so good. Valkyria Chronicles is so good. Yeah, I I want to play that one. Valkyria Chronicles, Star Ocean. I want to play oh, Valkyria, no, Valkyria Chronicles. Chronicles. Nothing else. Valkyria Chronicles. Yeah, I want to play that. Um, it's so good. Oh I, my I, god! I, that I completely forgot about the game. That is one of my. That is my favorite game on the PS3. Was, I think. I was a game. I actually played on the PSP before it. Uh, see, I want to play that. I have it on my computer right now. It's so good. I will play Final Fantasy VIII, but that is that, my, no. Valkyria. Don't Valkyria even Valkyria Chronicles play is Valkyria better. Chronicles. I love Final Fantasy VIII. Valkyria Chronicles is better. Yeah, it just trumps it. Mm, but okay. you know, you've heard us ship. You've heard <laughs> us nerd out. You've heard us. The movie Thespians, one and all. Wait, wait, let me combine all of them. Okay, I think, um, let me think about it. I think the best couple of all time would be John Ruth and Titus from Final Fantasy X. 
Oh. John Ruth from The Hateful Eight. Oh, okay. okay. You know so what? So that's all ah, three of them. Ah, ah. Yep, okay. <laughs> Actually, no, I take it back. It, not Titus, definitely Waka. Sin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. <laughs> all right. Uh, as always, I've been your host, Aiden Hall. Joining me tonight was the wonderful... Jake Doolin. And the always great... The something, Chase Treatman. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Good night, Bye. everybody. Bye.